Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at AntiochATX.com. Now here's Pastor J.D. Griffin. Uh, It's good to be back. Um, I've had a couple of weeks off from preaching, and uh, so I'm super excited to be um, with you this morning and uh, get to continue on our Advent series. And what we're doing over these next couple of weeks is kind of joining in with the global church, uh, looking in anticipation of Jesus' coming, which we celebrate on Christmas. And this Advent season uh, is designed for us. Advent literally means arrival, and it's designed for us to take some time and to think about what does it mean for our lives that Jesus came? And what did Jesus bring for us when he came? And so we look at these different things that mark, if you will, these banners that really tell us who Jesus is. Andrew started this Advent season for us by talking about hope, right? That when Jesus arrives, Jesus' arrival means for our lives that hope has arrived. And, and what he brought us into is this beautiful picture that oftentimes we're, we're looking for a hope that almost seems like is a light at the end of the tunnel, but Jesus' arrival to us is a hope for us in the darkness of the tunnel. That it's not a hope that is out here, but it's a hope that is in here and what we're going to be seeing as we walk through hope and today peace and then joy and then love is that this is ultimately the theme that Jesus's coming gives us access to all of him through all that Jesus's coming to earth gives us access to all of him through all that we go to not just simply heaven at the end of it all are you hearing what I'm saying There's a hope for us. There's a peace for us. There's a joy for us in what we're going through. Not just a hope, a love, a joy, a peace when it's all over. And and what I want us to lean into a bit this morning is I want to start where Andrew started. And this will also be a theme that we've birthed this entire series out of this famous Christmas passage in Isaiah 9 verse 6 which says for to us a child is born to us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor he'll be called mighty God everlasting father and the prince of peace now this is this is important because this scripture stands alone. Can we all agree on that? That, that? Like that in and of itself, that verse says it all. It stands by itself. I mean, that is a beautiful picture, a snapshot, a Polaroid of Jesus' coming. But, but what is so important for us to understand is that there's a disruption that God brought to earth that forced most that were in front of him to miss him and forces most of us at times to miss him as well. And it's what surrounds Isaiah 9 that can begin to give us some insight that we have been waiting for someone to rescue us from. 
the chaos that we're in the middle of. And this prophesied coming king, right, this declaration hundreds of years before Jesus walked the earth, describing him beautifully, perfectly, is wrapped in an even more beautiful picture of what this conquering king was going to do when he showed up. And so let's lean into what's around this passage to understand where and how, not just then, but even now, we can miss that Jesus is with us. Because listen to this declaration of what was going to happen when this coming king, this, this conquering hero, was going to come to earth, right? This is what it says. We're going to start in Isaiah 9. We're actually going to start in verse 1. It says, nevertheless... There will be no more gloom. Doesn't that sound good? Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress, right? This is this, this, this echoing, resounding gong that when this conquering king comes, don't worry what you've been walking through. Nevertheless, there is going to be no more gloom for those who are in distress. Can I get an amen? Right? Like, this is, this is why... We oftentimes miss that Jesus is with us because we are dialing into the declaration of this coming king, this prophesied conquering hero, that when he arrives, there will be no more gloom and there will be no more pain. And for all those who are in distress, there is going to be peace. It goes on and it says that in the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun. Now, what you need to know that is that he defended his people. He humbled those. God humbled those who came up against the people of God. Let's skip down to verse 2. And it says the people were walking in darkness and have seen a great light. There was darkness, but this light has come. Now they've seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Isn't that encouraging? There's a light that has come into the darkness. Verse 3, you've enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdened them. The bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppression, and every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be disdained and burned. Right? They're going to get rid of it. No more, no more fighting. No more warring. They're going to burn it. They're going to remove it. Verse 6, for to us a child is born. Now, now do you see that this verse is wrapped around not just a declaration of who the coming king will be, but what will happen when the king comes. Now, this is why most that were in front of Jesus missed Jesus. Because this prophesied coming king that was going to take all that was in distress and all that was wrong and all that was warring and all that was evil and all that was hurting and all the pain and the chaos and it was going to be removed. That there was going to be a season, a reign of a king that, that he was going to be called the Prince of Peace. 
that he, he was going to rule and reign, right? Isaiah 9 is a declaration that, that what was will no longer be what is, right? I mean, these banner, these verses are almost like a banner. It's like a waving flag of like, hey, this is what the Messiah is going to do when he shows up. All those that were, were, were hurting and all the pain and all the chaos, there's going to be peace. There's going to be hope. There's going to be no more war, no more pain. And, and this is why then and now humanity is waiting in anticipation for a Savior that wants to rescue them from the chaos that they're in. And I think that Jesus' coming was to bring us peace, hope, love, and joy in the chaos that we're in. See, see the, the reason they missed Jesus then and oftentimes we miss Jesus now is because we're looking for a way out of the chaos. We're looking for a reprieve from the pain, from, from like a, a, a time out from the bad news, right? We, we, we want the grief to stop. We, we can't take another bad medical report. We, we can't take another mass shooting. We can't take another chaotic moment in culture. Like we need a peace. We need the Prince of Peace. And so we're longing for someone and something to come and bring peace to our circumstances when I believe that we're looking for peace maybe in the wrong place. That this peace that's spoken of, this Prince of Peace, is not a peace from conflict. It's, it's not a peace from difficulty. It's not a, 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 it's not a peace from chaos. No, it's a peace in. It's a peace in difficulty. It's a, it's a peace in chaos. Maybe we're searching for peace from the storm when Jesus wants to come and bring us a, a peace that will disrupt what's going on in our inner world in the storm. Can you pray with me, Jesus? I'm asking that you would come, that you would open up our hearts and our minds to be able to see you, to, to, to be able to find you in, these, in, in this living scripture that you've given us, God. Would, would we have eyes to see, ears to hear, and, and hearts to receive the truth of who you are? Lord, I pray that you would come, the Prince of Peace would come, and you would rule and reign in this place. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Now, my beautiful wife is sitting here on the front row. She's amazing. And the beginning of our relationship could have been just kind of quantified as, like, complicated. I, I don't know. Has anybody else had a relationship that started, maybe still is, just complicated, right? Now, some of you know this story, but when, when I met Liz, I was instantly, like, I've, you will be mine. Right? I was like focused. Unfortunately, she was not as focused. So for the first kind of year of us getting to know each other, like I was like, whoa, and she was like, whoa, right? And, and then to add a layer of complexity is that one of my friends, a mutual friend that we had, who was a literal supermodel, still is, also looked at Liz and said, whoa and she looked back at him kind of 
I did too and said, whoa, right? I mean, and in and, and this point, like, you need to understand that I've been married for 16 years to this beautiful woman here, and, and anything that you think about me that you would put in the bucket of, like, good dresser, cool, she taught me all of it, okay? Like, before Liz, <laughs> I was not who I am today, okay? I'll just leave it at that. I should have brought some photos, but I was a chubby dork, okay? I had no sense of style, no sense of purpose, and I, I smelled, I, you know, there was, a lot, there was a lot she had to look past to see this diamond that I've become, amen? And so, our first date was December 2nd, 2000, okay? She just had a birthday, happy birthday, babe. Okay, so I'm thinking, all right, I want to take her out for her birthday. Now, I had planned to take us to this nice little restaurant that was outside of town. We were students at Baylor at the time, so we were like, you know what, I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to Salado. We're going to have dinner in Salado. It's going to be this nice, you know, romantic but not too romantic dinner. You know what I mean? That kind of like, I hope you know my intentions, although I don't want to freak you out too much zone, right? Like, and so I find out that afternoon that my supermodel buddy had taken her out for lunch so all of a sudden I'm like okay he is everything that I need to be okay he's attractive he's cool he's fun he's spontaneous and, and I'm none of those things right like I like plans I'm all about adventure just planned adventure right like I want to take risks just like planned risk you know I'm not like the guy who's sitting on the couch is like, let's go to Florida. No, that's never going to happen. You know, I'm like, hey, let's weigh our options about H-E-B. You know, like, I, I, I'm, I'm not, like, I like planned things. And so I'm feeling all this pressure, like, ah, I've got to be, I've got to be something that I'm not naturally if I'm going to win Liz over. So we go to dinner, and real talk, this is exactly how the meal goes. I'm so nervous. I'm so hyped up that I finish my food before she even finishes cutting her food. Okay, they clear my plate as she's, like, taking her first bites. All right, so you could just sum up this whole dinner is, like, awkward. Okay, like, it was, it was not what I thought it was going to be, right? And I'm trying, you know, those first conversations where you're like hanging out with somebody for the first time by yourself. You're just like searching and, and you're just like trying and you don't want it to be awkward. And you're feeling it's awkward. So you start trying harder and it starts feeling more awkward, right? And so like that was, so I'm not feeling like I'm winning at all on the backside of this dinner. And as we're walking back to my 1986 maroon in color Nissan mini pickup truck <laughs> who had vinyl interior, it was amazing. Upgraded Pioneer speakers in the front, in the doors. We were bumping. As we're walking back to this beautiful, beautiful vehicle, I think I got to do something crazy. I got to do something spontaneous. I, I've, I've got to reach deep inside, and I've got to find something that I'm not. And so I look at Liz, and just in a whim, I said, hey, you want to go dancing in Austin? <laughs> and she looks at me, 
because she is fun. She is spontaneous. She's like, that sounds like a blast. Now I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> because I, I've never gone dancing in, in Austin. I, I don't know where you do this such dancing. Like, I'm not like, I mean, look at me. I'm not a clubber. Okay, I don't do clubs. And so we get in the car like as if I know where I'm going and we just start driving to Austin, and I'm thinking, like, okay, where do people go? They go to 6th Street, right? They go party on 6th Street. I'm like, surely there's a club on 6th Street. And so we, like, park, and we're, like, walking, and this whole time, like, I'm trying to be calm, cool, and collected on the outside, but on the inside, I'm like, what am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? Right? And so we're walking down the street, and I see this sign that says Club Roxy. Now, I remember my brother was a clubber, okay? And, and so he would go party in Houston, and, and so he told me these, like, infamous stories of him and his buddies at Club Roxy, and they had this great time. And so I'm like, oh, Club Roxy, that's it. We're going there, okay? I didn't know. It's not like a franchise, okay? It must just be like a popular name for clubs because this was the shadiest place I've ever been in my entire life. You know how you kind of cross this invisible line on 6th Street, and it goes from, like, classy to shady, like, quickly? Okay, we crossed that line. And so we're, we're walking, and I'm just like, whoa, 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 whoa. We get to now, but I'm trying to act cool. Like, I've been here before. This is where I'm spontaneous. I'm a clubber. <laughs> and so we get to the door. We pay the cover fee. We go inside, and it is, like, the, the sketchiest place <laughs> I've ever been. Like, within a couple of minutes, I've got people I don't know dancing with me in ways I didn't even know people danced, Okay. <laughs> And, and I look at Liz. We've been there for about five minutes. I look at Liz. I'm like, I think we should probably leave. She goes, yeah, I think that's right. And so, like, after a total of five minutes of clubbing, we leave Club Roxy, walk back to my truck, and drive an hour and a half home. Now, that whole night, right, from dinner, <laughs> really from lunch, finding out that she went out with my friend, to, to dinner, to clubbing, like, I could have said, like, you know, that was not <laughs> what I thought it was going to be. Like, this, I honestly didn't know what I thought was going to happen when I had this spontaneous <laughs> idea to go clubbing. And I just want to say, that is why I'm not spontaneous. <laughs> because when I try, that's what happens, and I'm turned into a clubber for 10 minutes, and then I have to drive home in awkward silence for an hour and a half with this girl that I like who's not liking me at the moment. But for the record, I won, right? So... Take that to the bank, kids. You don't have to be spontaneous to get the girl, okay? You can be a planner. But, like, that whole night was like, that, that's, <laughs> that's not what I thought was going to happen. Like, that, that, didn't ha that did not play out the way that I expected that it was going to play out in my mind. And I think if we take a really honest look at Jesus' coming, I think we could probably have the same phrase. Like, like here you have this conquering, this prophesied conquering king. Like the people of God were waiting for hundreds of years for their rescuer to come and right the wrongs that they had created and what had been done to them because of sin, because of rebellion, because of selfishness. And that there was going to be a king, there was going to be an Emmanuel, one that was going to come and rule with them and was going to stop all of the pain and war and gloom 
And then you have Jesus' arrival, and he's born as a baby in a manger outside of town. Really? Like, if you look at the prophecies of the coming king, what is said that you even just, let's just look at Isaiah 9. Let's not even go into the 50-plus prophecies of Jesus. Like, let's just look at Isaiah 9. You would not think that this king is going to come as a baby in a manger Surrounded by animals, no place for even him to hang out in a hotel. Like he's just, like, is this really, like this is not working out the way that I thought that it was going to work out. But, but, you know, there's this interesting thing because in Hebrews 1, verse 3, it says the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being sustaining all things by his powerful word. Now, this means that everything that Jesus is, everything that Jesus is gives us insight into the glory of God, the nature of God, and the ways of God. He's the exact representation of God. And again, Jesus even spoke to this In John 15, verse 19, he says, speaking of himself, the Son can do nothing by himself. But he can do only what he sees his Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does, right? Jesus is bringing us back to this truth that his entire life, every aspect of who he is and how he lived is a picture of, the perfect picture of the Father in heaven and a perfect representation of how the kingdom of heaven should play out on earth, right? Jesus is the perfect representation of the Father in heaven. Now hear me, this did not start, Hebrews 1, 3 did not become truth at Jesus' ministry beginning. This became true at Jesus' birth. If every aspect of who Jesus is is a perfect representation of the Father of heaven and how the kingdom of heaven plays out on earth is revealed perfectly through Jesus, this was not a seasonal reality of his character. This was a definite truth of his entire life, meaning that when Jesus was born in a manger, that mattered to reveal us a picture of the heart of God and how he wants to do things here on earth. And now I had spent most of my adult life obsessing about the big why that Jesus came. Right? The big why that Jesus came is that Jesus came to allow us to receive forgiveness of our sin, to believe in him, to give our lives to him, and then we will be made new, restored into what he had in mind when he created us before we were corrupted by fallenness and sinfulness. And as we experience his forgiveness, the backside of our lives will be eternity with him. That's the big why that Jesus came, right? That's the big why. But I never really looked at why Jesus came the way he came. Like, 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 why did he come that way? Of all of the ways the conquering king could come to earth, all of the options here, why would he choose to come and be born outside of town in a barn surrounded by animals in the shadows of of society? 
with, with fanfare to a few. Like, why, why, would, why would Jesus come that way? Now, when you really begin to lean into the fact that Jesus is the perfect representation of the Father, Hebrews 1, 3, you begin to understand that maybe Jesus was revealing something to us about who he is and how he functions and how his kingdom moves on the earth with the why he came the way that he came just as much as the big why that he came. It's because Jesus was born in to chaos. The conquering king was born in to chaos. The conquering king did not come to stop suddenly chaos. Are you hearing me? Jesus revealed through choosing to be born in a working class family with no fanfare, with no place to even hang out, that he was revealing an aspect of the character of how heaven played out on earth. That the conquering king did not come to rescue us solely from the chaos that we're in, but he came to rescue us in the chaos that we're in. That this peace, even when we really lean into what this, this prince of peace, right? We, this Isaiah 9-6 peace, that he is going to be the prince of peace. That when you, when you really dive into that word peace, it's not peace the way that we see peace. Right? Like we say peace and we're like, you know what, I want peace in my home. Anybody else? Okay? Yeah, like I, I would love to make it a day without hearing a crash of my kids wrestling over something ridiculous, like a little bouncy ball. Like, that's mine. I'm like, yo, it's a bouncy ball. Like, does it matter who owns the bouncy ball? Like, we're going to go to blows over a bouncy ball, right? And you, you, you're like, God, could you just give us peace? Right? We're like, and we think, like, an absence of conflict. Or, or like, we, we pray for peace on earth, right? We're like, no more. When we say that, we're thinking, like, no more wars. We don't want nations warring against one another or we say like we want peace in our nation and in all of the complexity and the division of our political system and ethnicity and like there's so many like such hot button things that bring division and conflict and we're like oh just like god would you just bring us peace right and so we're praying for and we're longing for a peace that we would define as being a, a peace that is absent of conflict. But the peace that Jesus brought to us, this, this prince of peace, has more to do with what's happening in us than it does what's happening around us. When you lean into the definition even, it, it talks more about like an internal well-being than it does a peace in the circumstances that are surrounding you. That this prince of peace was to be brought to us, this peace is given to us. We have access to this peace that surpasses understanding in what is chaotic around us, not all of a sudden some sudden stopping of all the pain and the chaos that is surrounding us, that this prince of peace is a peace that wants to come in us. Now, this is really brought home when Jesus is in a boat with his disciples. Now, I think this is a, a, an interesting thing for us to lean into because I have found that when, when we begin to believe that if, if, if Jesus is the Prince of Peace and, and then we associate that with how we see peace, 
that when storms hit, and can I just be honest with you? Storms will hit. Relational storms. Financial storms. Like there's going to be conflict and pain in life that's going to happen. And if we're thinking that like Jesus is the Prince of Peace and we're defining peace by being this absence of conflict, then we will begin to question if God cares for us. We're like, because we're, we're thinking like, well, how in the world would you allow this to happen, right? I mean, I know I've asked that question. Like, why, have you ever asked the question, like, well, if God's good, then why does bad stuff happen? You ever wrestled with that? Like, great people, you know, like, great people. They love God. They, they live amazing lives. Like, they're so radically generous. And they just, like, it seems like they just go through storm after storm after storm. And you're like, well, like how does that even work? Like, God, if you're the Prince of Peace, then how come, like, do you not care for them? Well, it's because we're looking for peace in the wrong place. And then Jesus shows us this in this passage in Mark 4. He's in his, with his disciples in this boat, and they're, like, crossing this lake. And as they're in the middle of the lake, this, like, massive storm, like, rolls in. And there's, like, waves crashing over the boat. And his disciples are, like, freaking out. They're like, we're going to die. And Jesus is sleeping. It says that Jesus was sleeping in the stern of the boat on a mat. And this is like a crazy storm, and Jesus is sleeping. And his disciples come to him as he's sleeping, and they wake him up, and they ask the same question that we ask Jesus when we're going through a storm. Do you not even care about us? Because when you think that the peace that God brings is a peace that happens around us versus a peace that happens in us, that's exactly where you go. That's where his disciples went. Like, yo, look, we're with you. Like, you're the, you're, I mean, you're, you're like God. And you're like, you don't care. Like, we're right next to you. You don't even care if we die. Now, I love this because Jesus like, gets up. He, he wakes up and, he, and he's compassionate with them for a moment. And then he challenges them a moment later because he speaks peace to their storm. And I just want to say, that Jesus does speak peace into the chaotic moments of our life. Can I just say that? That he is a God that disrupts our chaos with supernatural peace. He is a God that flips our circumstances. He is a God that provides for us when it seems like we're getting ready to lose everything. That is who he is. But when we begin to solely think that God is a God of our circumstances, that this peace that we're chasing, this, this peace that's coming is, is to rescue us from pain, from chaos, from hopelessness, that, that we're going to miss the fact that he's with us in the pain. And when Jesus rebukes his disciples after he rebukes the storm, he looks at his guys and he's like, guys, do you not have any faith? And I always thought like, whoa, like, man, Jesus, that's like straight up, man. Like, they thought they were going to die. Like, I, I mean, they're, they're just normal dudes. But the more you listen to, the more you lean into this, you begin to see like, yeah, Jesus is not rebuking them for being scared. Like, they're They're humans going to get scared. Like, I don't care who you are. You are not going to become fear-proof. Like, there's going to be something that's going to disrupt your core, something that's going to shake you up, some storm 
that's going to feel bigger than you can handle and fear regardless of how tough you think you are, how big you think you are, how fearless you think you are. There's going to be a moment in life when you realize that fear is a real thing. Jesus is not rebuking his, his disciples for being scared. He's challenging them because they forgot who was he, they, they, they forgot that he was with them. And again, right, like Jesus is the perfect picture of the Father. The storm was raging and Jesus was sleeping. So, so the peace that Jesus carried was a peace that he had in him, regardless of the storm that was surging around him. And what he was challenging his disciples with was, don't allow the storm to steal. Don't allow the storm to distract you from the peace that I've given you. And this is what storms do. This is exactly what storms do in our life. They distract us from believing that God is for us. You're living your life. Boom, you get cancer. The, the storm hits. God, how could this happen? going along. Boom, you get laid off. God! I thought you were for me. And Jesus is like, I am for you. I'm in it with you. The, the, the peace that I've given to you, the peace that you have access to, is not solely a peace from the circumstances around you. It's a peace in you as you're facing the storms that are around you. So you might be in a storm that's so violent and so overwhelming and so just like it's going to destroy the boat that you feel like you're riding in and Jesus is sleeping. Because peace has nothing to do with what's around us. Peace has everything to do with who's in us. It has nothing to do with our circumstances. Look, if you're anything like me, I'm looking for my circumstances to get peaceful so my inner world can get peaceful. Is that anybody else? But Jesus is telling us this morning that it's about him being with us so that we can experience peace regardless of what's around us. You know, probably the, the, the first passage of scripture that I remember learning was Psalms 23. Like this is like a go-to scripture in the Bible. Like this is, you know, even if you're new to the Bible, you've probably stumbled upon some poster or somebody texted you Psalm 23. And it's because this like incredible picture of who God is, right? It was written by this guy named David and he starts by saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Man, isn't that just good? And then he goes on and he starts talking about this peace that he's referring to here is not a peace that's relegated by his circumstances, but a peace that he finds in him regardless of what's around him because he just said that he's a God, he's a shepherd who lovingly guides along the right path, right? You guys see that? That he guides along the right path. And then he says in verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of darkness, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You're with me. 
your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And then he says in verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I love this, right? Because look, I don't know about you, but have you ever been like having dinner with somebody and you get distracted by what's behind them? And so like you're having a conversation, then all of a sudden something happens behind them and you don't even hear a word they're saying. Has this happened to anybody else? Right, it's like you're, you're, you're at the table, but you're not even at the table. Be- because you're focused about what's behind them. And so they're like, so, so what do you think? And then it, it hits you like, oh, yo, I have no idea what it is that we're even talking about. Like, I don't, I know what that lady just said to her boyfriend. But I have no idea what you just said to me. Because just because you're at the table doesn't mean that you're focused on what's happening at the table. And, and, and it, God has made a table for us in the presence of our enemies. And so what that means is, is that we're sitting at the table, provision is there, comfort is there, community is there, all that we need is there. We, we are seated at the table but we could very quickly begin to focus on what's behind the table, what's around the table, and we miss the table. We miss it, like we don't even see it. And so it's like, we, we don't see the table in the presence of our enemies, we just see our enemies in our presence. Because we have been, humanity has been longing for a rescuer from the chaos, and Jesus came to be our rescuer in it. So now all of a sudden it's like this peace that surpasses understanding. Like how in the world are you peaceful in the middle of this? This is how this happens as we transfer our belief to the the Emmanuel, the God with us is a God that's going to rescue us from all to a God who is with us in all. And this, this peace that he brings to us is a peace in the middle of the storm just as much as it's a peace from the storm. Are you hearing me? Because when we start thinking that it's a peace from the storm, when the storms hit, all of a sudden we begin to question, then is God for me? Is he with me? Because we've looked past the table. We've looked past the provision. We've looked past the relationship. We've looked past all that he's provided for us. And we're focusing on the enemies that are around us. And I believe that God wants us to enter into a place where it doesn't matter the circumstances that we're in. That we're, we can sit at the table. Yo, I'm unemployed. I got a horrible doctor's note. I got the worst call of my life. And the storm has no effect on the peace that we've been given because we're not looking at the enemies around the table we're looking at who's sitting across the table like God I need you to come the pressure is real but your presence is enough Jesus is coming Jesus' arrival the Prince of Peace Emmanuel God with us It's a peace in the storm. It's a grace in the storm. It's a hope in the storm. 
It's joy in the storm. It's love in the storm. The arrival is that He's with us. He's Emmanuel with us. He is going to rescue us, but He's a God who provides for us in the middle. So if you're in a storm this morning, don't let the wind distract you. Don't let the waves distract you and begin to lie to you and tell you that God isn't for you. If if you are in a storm, if you got a bad report, if you found out something horrible, if you're like, I don't know how I can make it another day. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, I don't even know if I can keep fighting this fight. Don't let the wind distract you. Don't let those waves begin to lie to you because Jesus is with you and he's so at peace in the chaos that you think is going to kill you that he's sleeping in the boat. He's like, this isn't even tough. Because even the wind and the waves bow to you. You see, when you know who's in charge, it doesn't matter what's going on. I'm going to end with this story. You know, my, my, my son, Tate, and I love to go into the woods. We, we love it. It's like our, our happy place. Like we like just, you know, to walk around in the wilderness is just amazing. We're a couple weeks ago out in the middle of nowhere on this piece of property we got access to. And I kind of know it, but don't really know it. And we stood out a little bit too long. And then all of a sudden it's like dark, dark. You guys ever been in the, in the woods and it gets dark? And you're like, yo, like this is dark. And I'm kind of freaking out a little bit on the inside. I'm like, I really hope we can find the trail. <laughs> you know what I mean? It gets a little overgrown and I'm a little internally stirring. And we're walking along and Tate looks at me and he's, I can hear a little nervousness in his voice. He's like, Dad, do you know where we're going? <laughs> and like a good dad, I said, absolutely. I know exactly where we're going. You know, from that moment on, he was fearless. He was running in the dark. He was just telling stories, totally at peace. Because his dad knew where he was going. Didn't matter what was around him. Didn't matter we couldn't see the trail. Didn't matter dad was there. Dad knows. I want to say, doesn't matter what's around you. Doesn't matter how dark it is. Jesus is with you. He knows. He knows where you're going. For us, a son was given. To us, a child was born. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Amen? Why don't you stand to your feet?